beginning God, and we never stop to think, okay, what does that really mean? And that really means in the beginning, our beginning, because it doesn't, it's not referring to God's beginning, because God doesn't have a beginning, and God doesn't have an ending. And so when it says in the beginning, it's just really talking about the beginning of something. The beginning of something. In the beginning, in the beginning of something. <laughs> Inside joke, if you don't know it, I don't want to slow down. I want to get this stuff together. Right, Brother Chuby? All right. So before the beginning, only God existed. Before the beginning, only God existed. So just think about God existing by himself. All by himself, he existed. Not even nothing existing existed in addition to him. So, you know, just think about just the world and everything outside of it. Nothing existed except for God. That's hard to imagine. I know it's hard to imagine, but you want to keep that concept in your mind. So it's hard to imagine that at some point, only God existed. Nothing else existed. No trees, no skies, no water, no nothing. It's just nothing. Nothing existed. All right. God was everything. So because nothing existed, it makes sense that the only thing exists was him. So everything that existed was God. Right? All right. So with God existence, this is what it looked like. Blank screen. Joe, you got me? All right. Okay. Before the beginning, there is no space. Before the beginning, there is no place. Before the beginning, there is no time. Those are all important things that we're dealing with today. But before God created those things... They didn't exist. No space, no place, and no time. We worry a lot about time, but time is within us. Time is not within God. God is outside of time. And so, before the beginning, God is absolutely self-sufficient. He didn't need anything. He didn't need anything to exist. Nothing had to happen for God to exist. God just always existed, and he still exists today. Nothing had to happen, so he was self-sufficient. He took care of himself. He didn't need anything. We can stop there and understand, this. for this reason alone, nothing else or no one else can be God. This is why sometimes I'm... I'm Careful, I hear us say this sometimes, whether it be singing or conversation or whatever, and we say, a God. A God that's so powerful. A God that's so wonderful. Be careful with that. Yeah, yeah. The only wise God. The only true and living God. Because he is the only thing or spirit or being. Whichever way you want to take it, the only one who is self-sufficient. Everything needs something to sustain it. You find me something that's existing today, 
that don't need something to sustain it. This is why I don't have a problem going to God and get on my knees and just saying, Jesus, I worship you and I adore you. I bow before you. I reverence you, O great God, because you alone are worthy to be praised. You alone are self-sufficient. You alone are all-powerful. You alone are all-knowing. It is you that made us and not we ourselves. God is self-sufficient and nothing else is. It's all right to praise God. It's all right to worship God. It's all right to give Him honor because there is nothing or no one else like Him. And He is the one that's responsible for us being here today. Can somebody say amen? Won't you let God know that you appreciate Him doing that? That He is good to you. That He's self-sufficient and He allowed you to be His child. Thank you, Jesus. Why did... He creates something else. He is self-sufficient. He doesn't need anything else. He didn't need anyone else. Why would he create? And he create. There is a fundamental law. God imposed or imposed, imposes upon himself. It's a fundamental law that he decided he had to impose on himself. Can you imagine? God imposes things on himself. He decides that because the Bible says he counsels with himself so he can impose things upon himself, but he knows what he's doing because he's all knowing. So he imposed a law upon himself and the law was existence demands justification. Don't forget that. Don't forget that. And we're going to touch on that a little bit more as we go further into this lesson. Existence demands justification. So God existed. And here is a true story about God existing. If he alone existed and there was nothing and he's self-sufficient, what's his purpose? What's his purpose? He exists all by himself. Nothing else exists. He's just here. What would be his purpose for existing? And so God decided he had to make his existence have some kind of purpose. Because it wouldn't make sense to exist without a purpose. So he decides, I'm going to impose upon myself a law that says existence demands justification. There is no justification for a tree that does not bear fruit to exist. So after he imposes, you're going to see this in a second. After God imposed that law upon himself, everything God did and does, it leaves the possibility of the opposite. Everything that God does or did opens the door or leave the possibility of the opposite happening. All right. I'll leave you, pique your interest a little bit that way, and we'll, we'll, we'll see that in a second. There is no justification for a tree that does not bear fruit to exist. So if God had to justify his existence, then everything else had to justify its existence. So as he began to create, he had to justify 
the things he was creating, why they were created. So just like he justified himself, if everything consists in him, and he had to justify why he existed, then everything that came after him had to justify why it exists. Make sense? Luke 13 and 7, Then said he unto the dresser of his vineyard, Behold, these three years I come seeking fruit on this fig tree and find none. Cut it down. Why cumbereth it the ground? There is no justification for a branch that does not bear fruit to exist. John 15 and 2. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. The tree has to justify an existence. The branch on the tree has to justify an existence. And so here we go. There is no justification for an unprofitable servant to remain in service. I thought God was loving. And God is so merciful. And God is so gracious. And God is so kind. Why is God having a problem with the unprofitable servant. Why is God being so mean to the unprofitable servant? Well, he imposed the law on himself, which we all had to also follow suit of. And so what he said about his word, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. Once God established something, he can't break it. So, that unprofitable servant, whether it be me, you, or anyone else that's unprofitable to the Lord, he can't not have a problem and do something about the unprofitable servant because he imposed that law on himself, and now that law is for all of us. So, if we're unprofitable, we're not justifying our existence. There is no justification for the unprofitable servant to remain in service. And then he gives us the scripture. Matthew 25 and 30. And cast ye the unprofitable servant into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Existence demands justification. Existence demands justification. This is God's most fun, fundamental principle that existence justify, existence demands justification. It explains why God has done everything he has done. So there are some things that you may have had questions about. God's going to make sure we understand them through understanding who he is. And so here is the easy way out for some of us. I don't understand why God just don't. I don't understand why God allow. I don't understand. You know what probably is a good answer for people from now on, now that we know this? Why don't you seek God to the place where you get to know him? And once you get to know him really well, he'll begin to reveal things to you that you may understand why he allow or not allow some things. 
Because that's the real answer. Because for me to, I understand what's going on now. I understand why God is not trying to end the wars that we have going on. I understand why God is not making you love him. I understand those things because I seek God because I wanted to know and I'm able to understand. I'm trying to teach you that. But for many people that are not in the church, what, what's their excuse? Yeah, I don't really mess with the church. I don't really go to church because if there's a God, why this? If there's a God, how can people be in church and be a hypocrite? If there's a God, why is he allowing this? Why is he allowing children to be molested? If there's a God, and we got all these things going on that we're asking us, if there's a God, why? My answer to you is, won't you seek him? He's got all the answers. He'll tell you. Yeah. Because if I tell you, you still won't believe it. You want me to tell you how I know that? Um, I'm going to jump off this lesson for a second. I don't know how quickly you can do this, Joe. But if you can find me John chapter 3, verse 7, it might explain why I can't waste my time telling you what I know that God showed me. I don't want to waste my time telling you that because if I waste my time telling you that, you're still probably not going to listen. John chapter 3, Verse 7, somewhere in there. I can't see that, Joe. Anybody have it in their Bible? John. <laughs> John, chapter 3, verse 7. John, chapter 3. Yes. Anybody have it? I don't like that version. <laughs> no, no, I need you to read it. Uh huh. Keep going. Keep going. Uh huh. Go ahead. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Go ahead. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Listen up now. Go ahead. Yeah, because he's getting ready to tell you the real stuff that we need to know now. You hear that? You see that? This is why we can't answer the questions of people that say, why this, why that, why this? If you really want to know, go and seek God. Because Jesus said to Nicodemus that, listen, dude, we're telling you the things that we've seen and, and, and what we testify about. We're, we're telling you about the things that we know, and you're still not receiving it. So... If I tell you why God does what he does or don't do what he don't do, you're still going to say, well, I don't understand. So the best answer I can give you nowadays, why? Go and seek the Lord. He will be glad to reveal some things to you. He might not tell you right away because you're going to have to learn so much about him before he can actually tell you what you need to know because he can't feed you meat when you can only have milk and so it, it might take you a while to hear what he has to say and and understand it but the best under, the best explanation you can get is by going to God 
So it explains why God does everything when we come to know him. It explains why God will do everything he will do. Existence demands justification. How can God's existence be justified? Ooh, we're going to get into some good stuff now. God everything, right? Remember, there was nothing before him, so we can call him God everything. God everything is the, fun- the function, functional equivalent of God nothing. So let me explain that to you. If he's everything, he's really nothing. Okay, I see your face, Cheryl. Thank you for showing me that face. If everything that exists is God, what else exists? There you go. So if he's, if he's God everything, nothing else exists. So he's everything and nothing at the same time. Think, think about that. I don't want to run too fast tonight. If he is everything, it means there's nothing else. So he's nothing. So now you're starting to get a little understanding why it was important to impose that law on himself that existence will require justification. Because he was everything. But because he's everything, there is nothing else. And if there's nothing, there's nothing. (laughs) If God is everything, he makes no difference. If God is everything, he makes no difference. Psalms 115.1, not unto us, O Lord, not unto us, but unto thy name give glory for thy mercy and for thy truth's sake. Wherefore should the heathen say, where is now their God? But our God is in the heavens. He had done Whatsoever he had pleased, their idols are silver and gold, the work of men's hand. They have mouth, but they speak not. Eyes have they, but they see not. They have ears, but they hear not. Noses have they, but they smell not. They have hands, but they handle not. Feet have they, but they walk not. Neither speak they through their throat. They that make them are like unto them, so is everyone that trusteth in them. What is the value of God who does nothing? Some people today are not living for God because they think he does nothing. But for him, what is his value if he does nothing? God everything has absolute and infinite value and of himself, but as long as God is everything, he has only potential value. Man, we're getting somewhere now. If God just stay being God everything and he does nothing, all he is is potential value. 
If God is invested in you, talents and gifts, and you do nothing with it, you just remain a potential. You are not anything yet. Until you do something with what God has entrusted in you, the gift that God has given you, until you do something with it, you're just potential. Potential is nothing. I know we make a big deal of potential. You've got so much potential. That sounds good, but if he never do anything, with it. What is it? Potential is nothing. All of us in here tonight have potential. What is the true value of potential? How is the true value determined? The true value of anyone or of anything is determined by others. I don't know. Maybe I'm the only one that gets excited from this lesson. I am telling you, this thing just drives me crazy when I think about, because you've got to understand, we're learning and understanding the mind of God. You've got to wonder, do I just want to be a child telling God, do this for me, do that for me, and that's the only thing that stimulates us? Is God doing for us? Or do you want to know Him and understand who He is? I am. Got, I got to tell you right now, what stimulates me, brother, is knowing about God, is knowing who God is. That gets me worked up. And everything else don't matter, because once I know who He is, that's everything to me. It drives me. It motivates me. It is the thing that gets me confident and comfortable and have hope because I know who he is. Can you imagine if God never died and rose and ascended to heaven? We would be as people with no hope. That's what the scripture says. So it's when you know who he is, is when all the possibilities become possible and when you get excited. I'm not worried about what he can do for me. That's baby stuff. God, I need you to do this. God, I need you to do that. I'm past that. I got to be honest. I want to know him. And we're learning how his mind operates. Romans 12 and 3. For I say, through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. But to think soberly according as God had dealt to every man the measure of faith. Have you ever met someone who thought of himself more highly than he ought to think? Have you ever met someone who knew he thought of himself more highly than he ought to think? No. People who think of themselves to be more than they are, they don't think they think that. Exactly. Because if they knew they think that, they would not do that. Because you deceive yourself if you think yourself to be more than what you are. So you can't think that. So if you're thinking that, it means you really don't know you're thinking that. Let me go back. Have you ever met someone who thought of himself more highly than he ought to think? I'm this. I'm that. They just don't understand. They haven't recognized because I'm this and I can do this and I can do that. They better recognize who I am. But that's just you thinking more of yourself than you really are. Because if I make you do this and I make you do that, you'll just fry. Because you really don't know how to do You just thought you could. 
But usually you don't know that's how you think. You're, you're thinking everything you think of yourself, that's really who you are. So the second one says, have you ever met someone who knew he thought of himself more highly than he ought to think? And the answer to that is no. Most people who think that they're great, athletes are great at this, right, Daryl? Because you've got to have that kind of confidence like you just can do everything. And so some athletes operate in deception, but they don't care. Because that's the only way to survive in the sport that they're playing. I gotta think I'm better than the best. Yes. So that's what the athlete do. But in the real world where there is no athlete, we are as normal people living our life, we tend to look around and think, I can do that better because I have this skill, I can do that better because I have that skill, and maybe you, you, you can do something, but not as good as you think, but you're not thinking it's not the way you could do it. You're just thinking, oh, please, I know I can do that better than anybody. And the time might come where you get a chance to do it better than anybody, and you don't. That just proved out you thought of yourself more highly than you should have. Your opinion of yourself does not determine your true value. That's heavier than you think. Your opinion of yourself don't determine your true value. You want me to tell you how heavy that is, Cheryl? God's opinion of himself Y'all ain't catch it yet. Your opinion of yourself don't have any value. God's opinion of himself don't have no value. Y'all better get this. This is heavy. So all why God was existing by himself, potential, meant nothing. He was God all by himself, had all power, could do anything. But he wasn't doing anything. So he was really nothing, even though he used everything. And he had nothing, here we go, and he had no one to value him. You want to understand why it's important to praise God? You want to understand why it's important to really understand who God is? You want to understand why it's important to obey and follow God? Because he created us so we can determine his value. Oh man, that might be too heavy for y'all. If we were never created, God had no value. The Almighty, the All-Powerful, the All-Knowing. If we were not created, He had no value. So when you come on the scene and you don't do what you're supposed to do to prove why you exist, then you have no value. I think I was the only one that got excited over this lesson. This thing thing is so good to me. I'm just like, you got to be kidding me. Just think about how stuff, let me drift over to Shiro's side. When stuff costs a lot of money, why do you think it costs a lot of money? Somebody or people have determined that thing is expensive. That art that looks so ugly that I can't figure out what it is, some people that know better than me determine that costs $1.5 million. 
Somebody determined that, and it wasn't me because I don't know art. So when you walk in that art gallery and you saw that painting and you're like, what in the world is that mess? 1.5. What in the world is that other mess? 2.2. You're like, what in the world? Somebody that knew art determined the value. Catch it. Somebody that knows art. You don't know art. Art. <laughs> Y'all must know where I'm going now. Now, it's getting gooder and gooder. If you don't know art, you can't determine the value of it. People want to try to determine who God is, but they can't because they don't know Him. Until you know God, you can't determine His value. And that's why we can't stay away from God. we got to seek God because when we know Him, depending on what we find out, it will determine our behavior. Our behavior will determine what value we're placing on Him. You can talk about me all you want, however I live, because all it really means is my value of what I think about God caused me to do foolish things. My value that I put on God caused me to worship like I'm a crazy man, caused me to clap and sing and dance and shout, and I don't care if I get embarrassed because I value Him that much. This is why we're having problems. Because there's a value that God created us. He created us so we can, we, we, we can bring value to Him. Amen. He could not determine His own value. How? How was He going to determine? And tell it to who? And who was going to determine that? Oh, that's great value. Nobody. He was here all by Himself. What was He going to do? Oh, I'm valuable. Okay, God, who was going to confirm that? Who's going to confirm that you're valuable, Lord? Nobody. So he couldn't do it. God did create us because he loves us. God created us because he wants fellowship. But I'm giving you the first reason of why we're here. I'm giving you some core stuff about why we're really here. The love thing came secondary. Because God is love and he couldn't create something that he didn't love. The opinions of those people who do not know you are just as wrong as your own opinion of yourself. So people that don't know God, they can't give an opinion on how important and how powerful and how valuable. They can't because they don't know Him. People don't know you who don't know you can't determine your value. They got to know you to determine your value. How can the true value of God, everything, be determined? God's personal value must be determined by someone else. How can the Almighty God entrust that with somebody else? He didn't have a choice. How else? Who else? What else? So, God's value will be determined by somebody else. Watch this. Who is qualified to determine God's true value? I love this study. Oh, God. God can have no functional value as long as he is everything. Before the beginning, no one and nothing else exists 
to judge his true value. God must do three things to justify his own existence. He must define who and what he is. So he existed, but who knew? He existed, but who understood him? He existed, but who knew him? He must define who and what he is. As long as God is everything, nothing else can exist. God must define himself to be something to make something else possible. Key, key. God must define himself to be something to make something else possible. So while he existed, you, he, he wasn't being defined. He was just everything. He had to define himself. And when he defined himself, it makes other things possible. He cannot make an arbitrary decision to be something. He must define who and what he really is. He must create something else. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Do you know who you are? Oh. Do you know what you are? Hmm. He must create something else. The beginning of creation of God. Before beginning, God everything. God is everything. Nothing can exist. God defining himself makes something else possible. Once you define who you are, it makes something else possible. If you don't know who you are, you can't make nothing else possible. If you stay just head in the cloud, head in the sand, la-la land, you can't get anything accomplished because you're just wondering, not knowing who you are. You're just being blown like a chaff in the wind. You can't produce anything. You have to know who you are in order for something else to start coming from your life. A seven-year-old can't make a baby. I know every once in a while something crazy happened. I got that. Let's not go in the, you know, the crazy. But a baby don't know who they are. They can't produce a baby. Mm -hmm. Can't do it. We'll touch that a little bit. The beginning, God something, God specify, specifies who and what he is. So God, everything, we could never understood. We could never understand. He had to define himself. He had to become something. Defining himself as something rather than everything makes something else possible. <laughs> God defining himself as light created the possibility for darkness. Now y'all seeing something? You, you see why people don't understand God? Where did evil come from? Because God says he's good. Where did evil come from, preacher? Because God made himself good. Only one good but God. And so because God made himself to be good, it made evil possible. If God never made himself to define himself as being good, there was no way evil. If God didn't define himself as being light, there would be no possibility for darkness. God is heavy. 
things became possible when he started defining himself, who he is, what he is. And so we're taking it and running with it and doing all kind of wrong with it. But all God was trying to do was define himself and make us understand who he is so we can know who we are, so we can now live according to the will of God. God, in all he attempted to do was just to define himself so we can know him. And as he's defining himself, here we go, well, the devil helped us a little bit, but here we go, going the negative. Instead of focusing on the goodness of God, well, if there's good, what's on the other side? You see how we do? Eve only knew good. Eve only knew, you know, holiness and righteousness. Eve only knew right. But she had to go look. Well, if there's good, shouldn't there be evil? That's us. That's us. When God started defining himself, we started making a mess of things. Defining himself as God created the possibility of evil. Isaiah 45, 6, I am the Lord and there is none else. I form the light and create darkness. I make peace and create evil. Now you understand. Why was God saying he created evil? He didn't create evil. Come on, Sister Arabia, you with me. Now you understand. He didn't create evil. But just from him creating good, the possibility of evil came by. It's like this. God created us knowing that all of us would not be faithful to him. Was he not going to create us? You, you see what I'm saying? He created us understanding some are going to follow me and live for me. Others won't. Should that stop me from creating them? Should I, should I not be good knowing some are going to try to be evil? You see what I'm saying? This is what God is dealing with. He must reveal himself to something else. God could prove his value and justify his existence only by revealing himself to his creation. This is why the Bible talks about creation worshiping God, creation responding to God. This is why he can say, peace be still. This is why everything has to respond to God because he has total creative power over everything. And everything came out of him. Remember, nothing existed. At one time, it was only God. So where did everything come from? From him. So everything knows him. Everything. Including us. The dirt knows him. The sun knows him. The donkey knows him. The rock knows him. The seas knows him. Because all of it came from out of him. Revealing himself would be the greatest thing he could do. God used 16 Greek words in the New Testament to explain his self-revelation. Only one word refers to God's person before the beginning. I'm not sure if I want to deal with those tonight. Some Greek words that reveal God's character and, and tendencies of who he is explains a lot about God. We might want to stop right there. We'll talk about that next week. Does anybody have any comment?
Does anybody have any suggestions? Does anybody have any questions about what we are talking about here? Do you not understand? Well, there's something that said that you might not understand. Yes, sir. I just have a comment. I've been listening to it, but the first week, mm-hmm. entirely, and I just have to say that it's, it's a lot of revelation to me. It, it, it gives me a better understanding of how much that I'm worth for nothing. Mm-hmm. And, and how long, you know, the things that I thought had value mm-hmm. don't mean anything. It just puts a whole different perspective of, of who my father is. Oh, he's heavy duty, it's, man. It's just, Anybody else? Comment, question, understanding who God is and understanding your position in him. Here's something we got to go back to that I need you to focus on. Your praise determining his value. If we come into the house of the Lord, and we don't give him praise. I'm going to help you, but I'm going to be honest with you. You're probably saying in your heart, me not clapping or not praising or not worshiping is not determined, because in my mind, I do value him. But when God decided that he had to create, it just didn't stay in his mind. It started in his mind. In the beginning was the word. God created his word and the word was with God and the word was God. So eventually God's thoughts became actions. God's thoughts became something. And so the bottom line is we can't relax on coming in the house of God or even at home or wherever we are and think that I can think it, but I won't do it because really If you value something, you demonstrate the value of it. You never have a value. You never put a value on something without doing anything. I mean, we do it in every area of our life. Just look at some of the things that you value in your life and look at your response to it. Whether it's you like sewing or whether you like traveling or whether you like eating or whether you like going to sporting event or whether you like a nice car or whether you like have a lot of money. Whatever it is, that thing that is really valuable to you, you respond in action. Something comes out of you. And so if God is valuable to you, you you put value on God, then you will realize I have to show him how valuable he is to me. Yes, sir. Ah, here you go. And potential is nothing. Potential is good to have, but it's nothing if you don't do something with it. So if your praise stay in your mouth, it's only potential. Potential. We have to get from out of potential mode and get into actual doing mode. What's your question? Uh, two questions. Um, I was wondering, uh, how do we value God more? Hold on. How do we value God more? Just start simple. Just praise Him. Worship Him. That's the first way to value God. 
Because you're going to, what you're saying is, God, you created me for a purpose. And part of that purpose is to let people know who you are. And in my praise and in my worship, I'm letting people know, to me, you're so valuable. If somebody walked through that door and I'm saying, oh, hallelujah, bless the Lord, oh, my soul, and all that is within me. If I'm clapping my hands and saying, Jesus, you are Lord, somebody walked through that door, they know how much I value God. And they're going to want to know why you're putting so much value and emphasis on God. Gives you an opportunity to share, too. Uh, second question was, um, he, uh, so the reason why he revealed himself was to eliminate darkness. So because he, uh, there was a possibility of the opposite. Let me help you with that. He revealed himself so we can know him. We would never have known God if he stayed the way he was. Just think about the children of Israel way back in the day. Stuff just happened by the Spirit. They never saw him. He made them cross the Red Sea. All they know is Moses lift up the staff, the stuff parted. We went through. We didn't see anything. Yeah, we saw some clouds. Yeah, we saw some 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 fire. We we saw, but we never saw no God. So how can you have relationship with something you don't understand? You can't. So he was compelled to reveal himself, Luke. So he revealed himself that we can know who we're having relationship with and not just think that we're, you know, I, I remember the scripture where it says, um, where, where, where Paul, the apostle Paul said to the people at Athens, you, you, you know, you, we see you have an inscription, the unknown God. And when Paul saw that, he dug in because he knew God is not unknown. The, the almighty God that created everything, he's not unknown. He went through this whole process so we can know him. And that caused Paul to start ministering to him, to them, to let them know Jesus Christ is that unknown God you have written over there. He made himself human and came into this world so we can know him. So his whole demonstration was, I got to let you all know who I am. That's what his goal, his goal was and still is today. He revealed himself so we can know him. You were saying something else. What was the other thing you were saying about darkness? No. So here's the thing that, that I was saying. So we're experiencing some things that are not good and we're wondering why. And what I said was, when God started defining himself as to who he is, whatever he is, it created the possibility of the opposite taking place. So if God never said he was light, what would we know about darkness? Now we, you know how we have opposite words now? Now we, we've learned the, you know, opposite in school. Matthew, you look like you grew a little bit. You know, and so we say we have the opposite, right? We have the opposite. And so the opposite was that we learn that the opposite of light is dark. So the bottom line was when God defined himself as light, now we understood, oh, there's a possibility of darkness then. When God defined himself as good, we said, oh, so now we know why there's evil. And it goes on and on and on. So 
Here is what I'm saying. If he never started defining himself as to who he is, we wouldn't have the possibility of evil. We wouldn't have the possibility of darkness. We wouldn't have the possibility of all the opposite things of him. If he just would have stayed what he was, then we wouldn't have this, but then we wouldn't be here. So by creating us, it causes other things to start happening because of our creation. If he never created us, Nothing, a lot of this stuff, well, nothing will happen. Remember I told you this, that I never forgot, man. I cried when he told me this. When God just, I'm driving to church and I'm just, you know, you meditate on some, some things and you get frustrated about something, something you heard about and you're just voicing it to God and, and God just, just in his quiet still voice assured me it's going to be all right because it's my fault why all of this is happening, Wayne. If it wasn't for me, Wayne, you wouldn't be going through this. Now, I understand, I understood that back then in a minuscule way. Now I understand a little bit bigger. Because what he's really saying at the core, I created. And if I never created, none of this stuff that you all are dealing with would have happened because you wouldn't be here. And so, take it a little step further. Whatever I was going through at that time, he was saying, the only reason why you're going through it, little fella, is because you're trying to live for me. If you wanted to live with the tides of the world system, if you wanted to live and go with the wave of the world, then you wouldn't be going through this, Wayne. So, guess what? I know what you're struggling with, son. I know what you're going through. And I know it's only because you're trying to please me. I got you. Man, I just, I couldn't even do nothing but just like, man, God, you just are, you're just so amazing. To just just fill that little void in my life to let me know, I understand why you're going through that. And I'm not telling you you're not going to keep going through those things. But I'm telling you I know the reason why you're going through it. And I've got your back because I realize if it wasn't my doings of all the things that I've done in creating you and, and, and trying to guide you to a life of living eternally with me, if it wasn't for that, you wouldn't be going through all this stuff. I said, all right, God. I'll keep on going and you will just keep on strengthening me and protecting me as I try to do what I got to do, right? And I just kept on driving the church. God is amazing and he's wonderful. And we have to start now justifying our existence. And the first start of justifying your existence is making sure you're praising God, you're worshiping God. You're obeying God because you have to justify your existence. And on top of that, you have to also value God. He needs, doesn't need, but you determine his value. If, here we go, I'll close with this. Everyone that decide they're not going to live for God. Whether they're admitting to this or not, this is what they're saying. He's not valuable to me. He may be valuable to all y'all church people that gather in the place and worship. He may be valuable to y'all, but he's not valuable to me. So that's why I'm not doing what you're doing. That's a reality. That's a reality. You can't change that. The reason why folks don't come and don't submit and don't give their life, they're saying he's not that valuable to me. Yes, sir.
<laughs> no, all I just want to say is uh-huh. that God is fair because he gave us a choice. Yes. He, he doesn't force himself on us. Yes. So, it, and at the end of the day, I just say, like, that's how we get judged at the end because yes. our choices. Yes. You know, so. Yeah. He's, he's fair. He's fair. And, and but, but the thing about it is, the good news about it is, if we value him, he value us. <laughs> you can't lose. You know, he's always taught us how that, um, you know, reciprocal thing works. He always show us that. I'm not telling you to be by yourself. I reciprocate. So you're going to value me, I'm valuing you. So we both value each other. We both put a value on each other. You can't lose. I know he gives us a choice, but in my opinion, there's not a choice. I've always believed that. I know God created all of us to make choices and make decisions. Trust me, he did that. He didn't manipulate any one of us to not be able to make choices. We all can do that. But the day I learned who God is, I decided I don't have a choice. That's my secret weapon. I know we gave, we were given it. I don't have one. I, I, I gave that up a long time ago. I don't have a choice, God. Whatever you say, that's what I do. I don't have a choice. I don't have a choice to make about going to church, studying the word, praying. That's not a choice for me. That's just what it is. That whew, took me a long way after I made that decision. Like, I understand you gave me a choice, Lord, but I don't want it. <laughs> I don't want that choice, Jesus. I don't want it. You can keep that. You just order this life, dude. You just tell this life what to do because I don't want no choice. You run this. That's how I feel. Because I know with the choices, I get tempted. That's the secret. You see where I'm going? You see where I'm going? If I take him up on the opportunity of choices, I'm going to be tempted and make some stuff that I shouldn't do. So me, I just, I don't have a choice. It limit and minimize all of my temptation when I said I don't have a choice. But as long as I keep saying, well, God is a good God to give me choices, I think about it. Should I or shouldn't I? For instance, you can't ask me if I'm going to church. Don't even ask me that. Don't even ask me that. That's not a choice to me. You see what I'm saying? Go back to my old saying, Elder Swagger. You live for God easy. It will be hard. You live for God with choice, it'll be hard. You live for God without choice, just obey, it'll be easy. Live for God easy, it'll be hard. You live for God hard, it will be easy. Yes. Any other questions? I love this lesson. You, got, you, you, must, you must think I'm just a little wacky, how much I love this. Oh, I love this study that we're talking about. Anything that opens up my understanding to who God is, I just will die for it. I love this because it just answers so many questions, and it just makes me just, just, just desire to be with God even more because I understand now some of the most intimate things about him, how he kind of just just think in his own thinking. I know we don't understand all of it, but just what little he's allowing us to see and understand, I love it. I think it's one of the most amazing things, and it just keeps me focused. If, if I can go to church every Sunday and every Thursday and all I hear about is who God is, I can live like that. There's no wonder he made us name the church Christ Center Church. 
because that's I guess that that's my thing. I just always it's always about him. If I didn't make it about him, I don't know where will I be today. Let's stand. Thank you for indulging tonight. But I just think this is some of the most amazing things. Next week we'll talk about um, some of these characteristics, attributes of God, and you'll see how they're broken down. They're they're all Greek words, and they're broken down, and you'll see how they define who He is, and then we'll get into some more stuff about just understanding who the Lord is and you'll just shake your head and understand. But it's amazing today to understand what we understood and that is we determine God's value. That sounds sacrilegious, but it's not. We determine God's value by how we respond to him. And if we don't respond, then God is like, okay, I guess my value is nothing. I created for nothing because you you guys don't think I'm anything. So I guess the value is not really anything. But when he looks down and he sees the people that value him and how much they worship him and praise him, oh, my goodness. Then he realized he's valuable. Who don't want to feel like they're valuable? Don't you want to feel valuable? Okay. The Bible says you were made in his image, right? I wonder why you want to feel valuable. I wonder where did that come from? Because he wants to feel valuable. So if he wants to feel valuable, you picked up on that same thing. You want to feel valuable. So that's the bottom line. God needs to be valued, needs to be valued, and you need to be valued. And so we have a good thing going. If we will value him, he will value us, and we'll see some great things in God. Father, in the name of Jesus, God, we thank you for speaking to our hearts. We thank you, almighty God, for guiding us and ordering our steps. We thank you, Lord God, for just showing us the deep things of you. Lord Jesus, 